0: Alrighty folks, welcome to it. It is time for another edition of the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Appreciate you taking some time out of your Tuesday to be with us. We've got a couple of baseball games to look forward to and very solid ones at that. Cubs-Pirates, not in terms of talent per se, but in terms of a good betting opportunity is what I'm hoping. And then for the White Sox, that's where you get more of a studly pitching matchup with Gossman and Cease tonight. We'll handicap those games. We'll recap the action last night momentarily. We'll kind of maybe do a new segment. We'll see if this sticks. Something like, uh, what did I learn from last night? I mean, it's basically a recap, but in terms of from the betting perspective. How can we take what happened last night and apply that going forward? We'll kind of do something along those lines. And then, like I said yesterday, we'll talk about some of those National League Rookie of the Year odds because I don't think I went too in-depth with it on Friday. I did on Rush Hour, but not here on the Chicago CityCast. We'll kind of revisit that once again. And then how about the Lightning, baby? Six to two, much needed. Thank you. We love you. Get another one, and let's get this series going deep, boys. Hell of a win. We'll adjust those series, price, or update those adjusted series prizes, rather. I'm not adjusting them, but if I did, we'd be having a lot more fun with it. So we'll get to that in the second part of this episode. Let's begin with our recap of all the action last night. Starting with, well, we could go with my official play. So I had one official play. Uh, we talked about it here on the City Cast, and then talked about it on Rush Hour Naturally and took the Angels on the run line, plus 110. Look, Noah Sindergaard was fine until he wasn't. I think it was until the seventh inning that he got exposed and gave up five earned runs. And honestly, I don't know, man. I mean, it was just so annoying to see once again. This happened last week where we did cash in on fading Bubic, but he ended up still having a pretty good outing. And um, this time he did as well. He only gave up two earned runs. Except the team I bet on did not come through. The Angels couldn't hit. Inexcusable. I guess them hitting against lefties. We shouldn't have taken how they were doing at home against Southpaws into account as much. But I mean, come on. Vubic's numbers are awful. And I mean awful. And then cindergard they just let him go too deep. The dude screws me every time I bet him this year. I think I'm 0 for 3 or if not, at least 0 for 2. But the Angels, man, they have been doing me a little dirty. I'm sure I've cashed in on them a couple times, but for the most part, it seems like they just have not been treating me too well. Granted, they're not in a hot spurt by any stretch of the imagination, so that's a little bit on me. But still, the pitching advantage should have been in Los Angeles' favor as well as the bats, but that wasn't the case. Gross outing. So uh, we dropped to, let me pull my record really quick, uh, 36-33-1 on the year with our Major League Baseball bets. We got some more tonight. Don't worry about it. We'll bounce back. Speaking of bounce back, you didn't get that out of Caleb Killian last night. What did I learn out of him? Well, I learned that he's not the real deal. Not that anyone really said he was, but after his first game or first start against St. Louis this year, you're like, all right, this kid may have some stuff. Got smacked against the Padres, and then he got smacked last night against the Pirates. He allowed three hits, seven runs, five walks, and three Ks. We did discuss fading the Cubs. We didn't do it, but uh, a 12-1 loss indicates that that would have been the right bet, I think. (laughs) So uh, Killian, yeah, maybe an auto-fade going forward. TBD, but don't trust that kid. Bad look. How about the Sox? Pulling it through, barely, but man, they did. Bullpen made it a, uh, a little bit sketchy, but hey, you'll take anyone you can get at this point if you're Chicago. Barrios is... You know, who we thought he was, right? We kind of liked the angle on the underdog approach for the White Sox. Also didn't mind the under. That clearly was not hitting. Shout out to Dan Leach came on rush hour. He hit the over in that game. But yeah, Barrios, nine hits, six earned runs, three home runs allowed, just one strikeout and one walk. He had done very well against the White Sox, and that's what caused some trepidation. But what you learned from that spot is that you always can't take it into account what they've done in the past because every new game is a new situation. And especially an entire season. So Barrios again pitched like the guy his stats were telling us he was. Lance Lynn on the other side. Well, he did enough, I guess you could say, right? Um, Not ideal still. He went five innings pitched, four hits, allowed five runs. Technically three were earned. What's with all these Sox pitchers not getting all their runs accounted for? Like, Cease could teach a master class on that. It's uncanny. We'll go through that in a second. But my goodness, is the defense that bad? What are these ridiculous runs you're giving up that aren't accounted toward you? I don't know. It's weird. But again, Lynn, you need him better than giving up five runs. Five strikeouts, one homer. Uh, he'll get into form. He's due now. Like, you can't. The first one, whatever. All right. Second one. At least he only gave up four hits, all right, so that's not terrible. And then third time's the third times the charm, right? Get back to your true form by then. No more excuses, Lance. But good win by the Sox. Kelly, ugh, tough outing from Kelly there. Two runs on two hits on the one home run. So, yeah, Kelly uh, made it a little bit scarier than it needed to be. But the Sox held on, and the Sox were able to hit a righty. A crap one at that. No offense, Barrios, but come on. If the Sox are hitting righties and getting a lot of runs against him, it's going to be a subpar righty. And, I mean, hey, sorry, buddy, but Barrios falls into that category. But good on the Sox, good dub. Will be more of a difficult pitching matchup tonight, and uh, we'll, we'll get more thoughts on that in a second. But first, let's talk about this Cubs game tonight. The Cubs, as we know, were very, very bad last night, and I'm not thinking it's going to get any better. They're throwing out another young pitcher who's not looking promising. That's always great. Matt Swarmer, 1-2. He's got a 5.23 ERA, a whip of 1.26, a home run-to-fly ball ratio of 30.3%, and his FIP is 8.74, and, folks, his Sierra is 4.51. And he's only pitched one one outing on the road. And unfortunately for him, it was at New York against the Yankees. Lasted five innings, seven hits allowed, six earned runs, and six home runs. Yes, you heard that correctly. Six home runs were given up in that June 11th start. On the East Coast against the Yankees. Tied a franchise record. Not a record you want to have under your belt, that's for sure. But Matt Swarmer managed to do it. Now he's on the road in Pittsburgh against the Pirates with a Pirates team that, let's be honest, is better than you right now. The wind's blowing out 11 miles per hour. It's a hot day in Pittsburgh. Runs will come, be probably coming in a plenty. He's given up a home run in each of his outings thus far. The Pirates aren't mauling righties, but they did yesterday. And as we discussed, are hitting righties better at home. And they got a solid pitcher taking the bump. Maybe more of a reliable one than Baker was yesterday. Yet he, what, maybe gave up one run. I don't know when the run came, but it was 12 to 1. You got Ronzi Contreras. He's 1-1, the righty is, with an ERA of 3.06, a FIP of 3.87, a WHIP of 1.30, and a Sierra of 3.67 and at home he's been stellar. I mean, he's given up no runs at home in 13.2 innings pitched. Got a weighted on base average of 2.19 and then a FIP of 1.59. He's only had one career appearance against the Cubs was his big league de- uh big league debut, excuse me, last September. He pitched three scoreless innings and struck out four. You know the batting behind this game, you know the bullpen behind this game. Pittsburgh should be the favorite. I open them minus 130. I open the Cubs plus 115. And I put the total at nine because the wind's blown out, like we said. I mean, 11 miles per hour. It's going to be a hot day. Not the best home run ballpark. That's understood. But you saw plenty of runs coming yesterday. Bad pitcher and swarmer who's liable to giving up home run balls. That'll happen tonight. You bet it will. home run to fly ball ratio. And I get it skewed because of that game against New York. But still, he has surrendered one every single game. So I open up Pittsburgh minus 130, the Cubbies plus 115, and the total at 9. Now, I would understand why you'd put the total at 8.5 in the sense that it's still two bad teams, offensively speaking, especially the Cubs. And Contreras maybe could have a good start. But that weather factor and the swarmer factor are the reasons why I'm putting it at nine. Because my thought was, even if it did open up lower, you got to think it was trending to the over, and that's actually exactly what happened. At Bet Rivers, Pittsburgh opened minus one thirty-five, so I was five cents off. They opened the Cubs plus one sixteen, so I was one cent off, and then they opened the total at eight and a half, so I was the hook off. But now it's moved up to nine. If you look at various amount of books here and in Las Vegas, the total has increase to nine at most outlets and as we look at bet rivers the updated lines for the total still at nine a little bit of juice to the under minus 115 but here's the money line this is uh <laughs> this is where you're seeing a little bit of difference the Pirates are up to minus 155 yes 155. They opened it minus 135. I opened it minus 130. The market is infatuated with the Pirates. Now minus 155 and your Chicago Cubs, plus 130. Run line for the Cubbies, if you want to take the run in the hook, is minus 167. And if you think the Pirates win by two or more, it's at the value of plus 140. Folks, I'm all on the Pirates this game. I don't love laying minus 155, but if you like the extra security and you don't have to deal with the run line, then minus 155 is your bet. However, if you have enough confidence in the Pirates like yesterday, they just go off and dominate offensively and enough to win by more than one. Then plus 140 is some great value in a game to where the Pirates do have the advantage on the bump and just really everywhere at this point. They've got young prospects trying to make a name for themselves out on the field, not just with the pitching, which is really controlling the outcome of the game and not good ones at that. That's the situation the Cubs are in right now. The Pirates actually have some excitement with their prospects coming up because they're like, all right, this is going to be the future. The Cubs are like, let's just throw these guys out here and hope for the best because all of our staff is injured right now. So I like the Pirates on the run line plus 140 if you don't want to lay the money line. And I took a little bit of both. I'm not going to lie. I, I threw a unit on both, but I'll probably release the run line as the official play on rush hour. So any way you can get involved with Pittsburgh, I think that's a correct play. I would lean toward the over. Pirates, first five, literally everything uh, with Pittsburgh in this game, I think is a correct move. Now, it's not to say, oh, it's the biggest bet of your life. I'm kind of making it seem like it's coming across that way, but... You know, I would have liked Pittsburgh even if the market was barely moving toward Pittsburgh. But now that you've seen some big-time action going that way everywhere you look, well, it seems that the Sharps are on that side as well. It's not like it's an automatic fate of the Cubs. It's kind of an auto fate of Swarmer, and Contreras has been a decent pitcher himself. If you're looking at the first five, by the way, uh, at VEASAN.com, you can get our betting splits. Looks like the first five opened about minus 135 in favor of pittsburgh now it's up to minus 145 minus 154 so there's been some movement with the first five but not as much as the full game because the full game when you look at beeson.com at least opened minus 130 and now it's up to minus 150 in most places so full game seems to be a little bit more trustworthy with pittsburgh but still some love in the first five I, yeah, I like the Pirates in this game, folks. Again, you hate betting against the Cubs, I'm sorry, but if you're trying to make money, you gotta be objective. You gotta take advantage of good spots, and I think this is one of them. And this line's just probably gonna keep ticking up and on the side of Pittsburgh, and realistically, we'll probably get to minus 165, maybe minus 170 at Bed Rivers. That would be very steep, but I just know how the market has seemed to go in these type of spots at Bed Rivers at least, and they're a little bit higher sometimes and and get inflated a tad bit, which can be good if you want to get some buyback on the underdog. Not that I'm going to be in that camp for the Cubbies, but just saying. But we're rooting for the Pirates today. Sorry, Cubbies. Sorry, old faithful. You have not been faithful this year. Look, if it's going to be a crap team put out on the field, why not make a profit off of it by fading them? That's fine. Like, I'd rather them be a really bad team and we can make money fading them than just a middling team that barely misses the postseason and they're very volatile with their wins and losses. Is that just me? Because I would definitely rather have that. But all right, we're on Pittsburgh. Let's go, Pirates. All right, I don't like saying that. I'm sorry. It still feels gross. I'll bet on the Pirates, but saying let's go, Pirates, is still pretty disgusting to me. So I'm betting the Pirates, and I hope we make money off of it instead of saying let's go, Pirates. That seems a little bit more appropriate. Yeah, that felt wrong. (laughs) Um, Let's talk about the White Sox and the Blue Jays tonight, where we got a great pitching matchup to look forward to with Dylan Cease and Kevin Gossman. Let's look into Gossman first. Kevin Gossman, the righty, is 5-6 and six with a 321 ERA. It gets even better for him, though. He's got a 1.74 FIP and a 2.8% home run-to-fly ball ratio. Outstanding. His whip is 1.26. You'd probably want that lower. But a Sierra's really good at 3.05. Now, he's also pitching a little bit better on the road, believe it or not. He's got a 185 ERA on the road, 245 WOBA, FIP. The huge, I guess, maybe not huge, but I just want to say, like, the big stat that really stood out to me while looking at Gossman, aside from his home run to fly ball ratio, was his difference in strikeouts to walks per nine innings pitched. He's averaging pretty much 10 strikeouts per nine innings pitched compared to less than one and a half walks per nine innings pitched. That's amazing, guys. That is really, really great. Now, Dylan Cease, we know, racks up a ton of Ks. 12.8 Ks per nine innings. But he's walking four and a half guys per nine innings. So, yes, Cease is impressive, but he can be liable to walking some guys. That's a risk of getting them to chase. Looking at Kevin Gossman, though... um, a little concerning in his last start. Worst start of the year versus Baltimore. 2.1 innings pitch, 7 hits, 7 runs allowed. They lost 10-2. to This is why I don't bet for it or against Baltimore because they do random crap like that where they'll just dominate against a guy like Kevin Gossman. Like, I mean, I know baseball's wonky and random like that, but my goodness, Baltimore, the least read and understood team of all time. On my watch, they are at least. All right, but Gossman did go against the White Sox in that series a couple weeks ago when five innings pitched, allowed six hits, three earned runs, five Ks, and the Blue Jays held on six to five. So the White Sox actually got to Gossman, despite being a righty, but they do hit righties better on the road. But they typically struggle against righties in general, as we know, but they had a good performance last night against Barrios. And you got your ace out there, Dylan Cease, who has picked it up as of late and this is the king of not getting earned runs attributed toward your stat line. How the hell does he do it? Nobody will know who's making these box scores. I don't freaking know, but Dylan Cease is 5 and 3 with a 2.91 ERA, 2.77 FIP, 8.6 home run to fly ball ratio. His whip is too high, 135. You don't like to see that. His Sierra is good at 329. At home, his numbers are fine. 386 ERA, 286 WOBA, and a 289 FIB. He's actually been a little bit better on the road. We told you about his Ks compared to his walks. This is going to be his second career start against Toronto. He faced them August 24th in Toronto when he allowed one run in seven innings. You would want to be able to put Stock in Dylan Cease in this type of game. I just can't do it. I cannot do it, and I cannot trust this White Sox bullpen. And the fact that you made that game last night closer than it needed to be, I don't know. I got a better feeling about Toronto in this game than I do Dylan sees Unless the White Sox are completely turning things around, and they're going to have an ability to hit righties now, which they could be aided by the weather. Blowing out 18 miles per hour, and it's a very hot night here in Chicago. So I opened the total at 8. And I did that because on a normal night, I would have done it 7.5. So because of the wind, I moved it up to 8. Was it enough? Maybe not. But we got two great pitchers here who are limiting their uh, their home runs, so to speak. And despite the wind blowing out, maybe they, they can maintain the damage control. So I opened up Toronto minus 135 in this game. I opened up the White Sox plus 120. And I opened up the total at 8. Because, again, two great pitchers. Yes, the wind is blowing out. Would have typically opened this at 7 in the hook. I'll give a half run to the wind. Maybe I should have given a full run. Because Bet Rivers opened the total at 8.5. But I was pretty close to where they opened with Toronto. They had 132. I had 135. White Sox plus 112 at Bet Rivers. I had plus 120. But, yeah, total at 8.5. And And now you've seen the total actually get a lot of love to the overs still. We scroll on to betrivers.com. The Blue Jays, now minus 129. So a little bit of stock put into the White Sox once again here, folks. Is Kevin Gossman due for another bad starter? Are we riding this wave of the momentum that the White Sox may possess as of this moment? Tim Anderson back in the lineup, provided a spark. Love to see it yeah, even in Vegas, the love is going toward the White Sox. So right now, the Blue Jays minus 129 and the White Sox plus 108. Total up to nine, like I was saying. Juice on the under, minus 117, overs minus 103. This is one of those games where it's like I almost want to outsmart the market here and then it's going to come back to bite me in the ass because I want to take an under, but I don't bet full game unders. I would do the first five under if they gave me a five, but you're seeing four and a halves out there. It shouldn't be a high-scoring game, but the weather can impact it that much. That's the issue. By the way, the run line for Toronto, plus 125 for the White Sox, minus 150 if you want to take the run and the hook. Dylan Cease against good offenses has been, has just struggled. I mean, look, even at Detroit, and we bet on this game and we cashed in on the first five, but he allowed seven hits in one run, not earned run. It should have been his fault. It was that pickoff attempt at second. Crap throw. Why are you even doing that? Should have been his run. He gave up six runs the game before versus the Dodgers. None of them earned. Give me a damn break. And guess what? At Tampa Bay, two runs given up. None earned. How does he do it? And the game before, one run given up against the Cubs. None earned. This guy is a magician. I don't get it. But the game before that, he went three innings at home versus Boston, allowed eight hits and seven earned runs. At Kansas City, gave up seven hits, no earned runs, and 5.2 innings pitched versus the Yankees, six hits, six earned runs. See, a lot of these games, like, he's giving up a lot of hits. It's what concerns me in a game against the Blue Jays where their offense could absolutely come alive. And even if they don't come alive enough, again, you're going through this beat up White Sox bullpen that the Blue Jays almost got to last night. I would only bet the Blue Jays in this spot, and I would look, again, I'm not going to do it because of the win, but I would only consider the under at an inflated price. But this one I probably won't touch. We'll see if there's any good props with strikeouts maybe we can dig into. Let's see the K percentage against righties for this uh, these teams. So let's go down. The White Sox strike out only 20% of the time. Or they got a K percentage, a strikeout percentage of 20% against righties, which is actually third lowest in a good way in the big leagues. Toronto on the other side, they're 21st, so they're like 9th, 21.5%. Eh, maybe not. Maybe I won't get involved in it. But we know that Cease and uh and Gossman are good strikeout pitchers. Oh, here we go. Cease is number seven and a half at Bet Rivers. The overs even money. Unders minus one thirty-two. Gossman's is more tempting. It's at four and a half. The overs minus one forty-three. The unders plus one oh eight. Gossman against the White Sox his first go around. Uh yet five K. So he went over it. But second time around is always a little bit tougher for a pitcher and being on the road. But he has done better on the road. His last three starts, he has failed to get over four-and-a-half strikeouts because he had three, four, and three, and that was against Baltimore, Detroit, and Minnesota. Ugh. So, yeah, maybe maybe you actually could look at the under for some plus money. Sox statistically not striking out that much against righties, except the one damn time I bet him. God, I don't want to talk about that. The back-to-back strikeouts and the starters' last inning, pathetic. Yeah, no, I'm not salty about it still. Okay, but that's what we got looking at for baseball tonight with the Cubs and the Sox. We got the Pirates on the money line and the run line, whichever one you want to choose. Uh, My official play will more than likely be the run line as released on Rush Hour, but I got involved in both. Let's talk about NL Rookie of the Year. I got to pull up, uh, what's today? Today's the 21st. By the way, shout out to my sister. Happy birthday. It's her birthday today, so got to give her a little shout out. We'll see if she's listening. It'll be a test. She probably won't be, but um, so happy birthday to her. And by the way, also, I got to give a shout out to my girlfriend. Uh, She hit Steph Curry, four to one finals MVP, completely forgot to give her that shout out. She got a way better number than I did. Got to tip the cap when the credits do. And uh, yeah, she had the advantage on that over me. So props to her on that this past week. And I've been forgetting to give her the recognition and I don't want to be put in the doghouse. So I got to finally throw that out there. All right, by the way, so the 28 19, 18, 17. Okay, so the 17th is when I talked about this uh, NL rookie of the year. So I went through the list and I'm not gonna go through the whole rant of it, but basically Mackenzie Gore was a short shot at that point at plus one seventy-five. He had a unfavorable matchup that night at Coors. Didn't know what was going to happen. You probably had an expectation what was going to happen. And what you thought was going to happen did happen. And that was him getting smacked against Colorado once again. Because his previous start, he gave up six earned runs at home against the Rockies. Then he went to the hitter's ballpark in Colorado and gave up eight earned runs. And now you're seeing Mackenzie Gord about plus 375 for NL Rookie of the Year. Plus 350 actually, pardon me. How about Spencer Strider, plus 350. The pitcher for uh, Atlanta, I was going to say Arizona, but for Atlanta, uh, he was crushing it when we were talking about it, and he was 8-1. to one. Now he's plus 350. Nolan Gorman, I didn't like him. He's played just 24 games. His numbers weren't that impressive. I thought some other guys' numbers were better, but Gorman currently is 5-1. He was 4-1 when we talked on Friday. Suzuki at Bet Rivers was 7-1. Now he's 12-1. to one. You know we were invested in Suzuki at 3-1 to with our very early overreaction bet, and he was crushing it and won NL Rookie of the Month in April. But he's been injured. We need him back in the mix, and hopefully we can get some steam going his way. Michael Harris to second. Best number was 13-1. to We snagged that. Now it's down to 6-1. to so when I was talking about it, in 18 games, he had had two home runs, 11 RBIs, 328 batting average, 894 OPS, one flat with his war, 146 WRC plus, and a 385 WOBA. So Michael Harris on the Braves, being on a good team, certainly boosts his chances. And he was providing a lot of strength in the bottom of the order. I think they were batting him 9. They still might be. But Michael Harris, his odds have moved down. We took him at 13-1. to see if i could pull up some of his numbers now um average 346 so it's gone up wolba at 407 good work yeah Harris is crushing it over the weekend all right so yeah michael harris hopefully you tagged along with us on that then here comes the guy that i was really shocked to see where his number was at and that's brendan donovan his teammate gorman somehow is like 20 better than him which is ludicrous cuz Donovan he was 25 to 1 he's like 20 to 1 now at Bed Rivers. He had played in more games, he has played in more games and his stats were just a lot better. I mean he's got one home run but he's got 22 ribbies now, 3.13 batting average. He had a 3.41 batting average when we talked on Friday. So rough weekend. But his OPS was 9.13 when we discussed it. Let's see, now it's 848. All right, Brendan, I hyped you up, and now you're just going to slack. He had a 1.4 war, wins above replacement. Now it's 1.3. 165 weighted runs created plus. Now it's 147. Now I'm getting sad reading all these stats. Yeah, his wobble went down too. But my point is, Brendan Donovan is a utility type of guy for the Cardinals, and he should not be as high as 20 to 1 or above. So if you still get 20 to 1 or better on Donovan, please take a flyer on it. Then Alec Thomas came next to 25 to 1 outfielder for the Diamondbacks. Stats weren't that impressive, and you're stuck in Arizona. Crossed him out. The reason why I wanted to get into this was because of Christopher Morel. And he was at 32 to 1. And I'm not saying he's gonna win it, and I'm not saying that I well, I guess mainly what I'm trying to get to is that Morel has a chance to win it for sure. And based on where the odds were at other books, which we talked about this on Friday and where I thought he would end up, and yes, he still has a chance to win it. I don't think he's the most likely to, but in case he does, there's a 32-to-1 ticket out there you can snag for a little bit of pizza money. He's a utility guy for the Cubs. He's a bright spot in the dark days of Chicago. He's the only one bringing electricity to the field and to the team, and he had that on-base streak, and he's had a couple of game-winning hits. And he's been awesome. Morrell is leading off as well. You know, he's the heart and soul along with Wilson Contreras of this Cubs team right now, folks. Now, when I was talking about Morrell, his batting average was 283. Now it's at 262. OPS was 873. Certainly that's had to go down. Uh, Yeah, 790. 1.1 war. Uh, Now he's 0.7. So yeah, Morrell after I bet it actually moved down to like 25 to 1. And then now it's back up to 32 to 1. So you could still get a hold of it. And by the way, these markets are going to be incredibly volatile, hence why we've seen these sudden movements. But if you're doing anything with NL Rookie of the Year, even AL, which I haven't looked into, try to get them at double-digit odds, right? Even if it's 10 to 1, that's typically the lowest I'd want to go. Because this is going to be very up in the air. Gorman, cross them out. Suzuki... The pitchers have caught up to him. The injury doesn't help. I'm rooting for the guy. Trust me, I hope he wins, but my expectations aren't too high. Strider has been crushing it, but now his value's kind of gone. Michael Harris, we got a good number at 13-1. Again, now his value's kind of gone. The value is still there on Brendan Donovan. And the value's there on Morrell, but if you want a realistic winner, Brendan Donovan has the upper hand playing for the Cardinals. So, yeah, two out of three are looking okay with Donovan and Harris still, I think. I mean, Donovan slacked this weekend, but he'll be all right. It's baseball. You can't be that consistent. Otherwise, you're going to be the greatest player of all time. He'll bounce back. But that's who I was looking at for NL Rookie of the Year. I think this will be a lot of fun to monitor. The reason I didn't like Mackenzie Gore, no value at plus 175. Young pitcher, you're not getting as many outings as a position player like we discussed. And more often than not, position players have won it versus pitchers. There's so much pressure to be a pitcher, and it's so hard to be a great one, and especially as a rookie. And when you're going against guys who are playing every day, it's not going to be in your favor to win this award. That's why even with Spencer Strider, yeah, he's been great. And unless he turns into the next stud behind Max Fried on the Braves, I don't think he he's going to win this. I think someone else will. But up to this point, he's been amazing. There's no denying that. But yeah, just wanted to dive into NL Rookie of the Year a little bit. Seiya Suzuki is kind of disappointing. We need our guy back. Please get healthy soon, my guy. All right. Quick break here, folks. And then you know what we're doing. We're getting into the adjusted series prices for the Stanley Cup, our Lightning come through. Yes, our Lightning because we need over five and a half games, so we're feeling pretty good about that. Looking into game four, we'll tell you what those odds are as we get you prepped for that and the remaining outlook of the series here on the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers has your bases covered with early week betting fun. Your baseball bet gets a little extra pop at Bet Rivers Sportsbook every Tuesday. Just log into BetRivers and receive a 20% profit boost on a baseball bet every single Tuesday during the entire regular season. You can use it on straight bets, player props, or a same-game parlay. You decide. Log on to the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com and get your 20% profit boost today. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. Time to talk some puck here on the program. That is the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Appreciate you being with us on your Tuesday afternoon, realistically, when you're listening to it. I hope it's the afternoon or before. Otherwise, uh, the first part of this show probably wasn't too beneficial to you looking at the Cubs and the White Sox games. And uh, later tonight, remember, check out Rush Hour. Monday through Friday 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time live out of the Bet River Sportsbook. We'll talk more baseball. We'll get into all these different avenues of betting. Even though it's a slow summer months, we've got you covered with great guests and great betting content. So the Lightning wins 6 to 2. That first period was kind of wild. But after that, they pulled through and they took control and they utilized the home ice advantage. The Avalanche had 39 shots. Tampa Bay had 32. 40 hits distributed by Tampa Bay. 27 by the Avalanche. Tampa Bay won 43 faceoffs. The Avalanche won 31. The Tampa Bay Lightning still kind of annoying. They had six power play opportunities, only cashed in on one. Come on. Avalanche had four. They cashed in on two. You need to be better than that, Tampa Bay, offensively. I know you scored six, but I mean, I'm saying you're going to have to take advantage of the power play opportunities to keep beating this Avalanche team. Now, there was still some sloppy play by Tampa Bay defensively and giving the puck away, but overall, you saw that championship pedigree come through in the sense of they didn't get knocked down even when they were trailing early. Some cool goals in the first period kept them there. And then they just progressed from that point on, and they showed that they deserve to compete with the big boys. Even though they are the big boys, and they have been, they've kind of been pushed aside by Colorado and bullied in games one and two, but not game three. So what does this do going forward? Well, first things first, looking at game four, currently at BetRivers, Rivers, the Avalanche are minus 110, and the Lightning are minus 106. Total is at six. Are you betting the under at this point? None of these games have hit the under. Oh, it's two. Yeah, that's what I thought the last game, and then got it moved to five and a half, and we didn't bet it. But where did this thing open? Uh let's check out VCN.com. Minus one ten to Colorado, even money to Tampa Bay, and now a lot of books have it almost at a pick'em. So depending on where it opened, it seems like slight movement have gone or has gone rather to the lightning. And I would only back the lightning in this game, actually. Now, I talked about doing that if they were to lose game three. I didn't mention if they were to win. I guess it really depended how they won game three. And to me, the fact that they won it in that impressive type of fashion and that Colorado was playing sloppy more so on the road, not that it's going to happen again, but look, I I think you really saw the goalie that Kemper is supposed to be and the team that Tampa Bay is capable of being on any given night. They've had more success at home. If there's a time you're going to back Tampa, it's got to be In this game. Not in Colorado. But so remember, we have over five and a half games. They've played three thus far. And if Colorado wins this, well, we're in a little bit of trouble. But we could always look to hedge. It's going to be tough because then we'd have to bet Colorado. And, well, they're going to be a favorite in the next game, game five. With this one, we need Tampa Bay to come through. And then we will cash our bet. So let's go, Tampa. We need you. We're hoping for you. And let's get a dub and extend this series. And you know what? Just go out there and win the whole dang thing. Again, I don't know why. I'm just rooting for the lightning. It's better value on them throughout this postseason. And I, I'm sorry. I just think it would be not funny, but it's just like, man, this Colorado team has been hyped so much the last couple of years. And if they fell through again, we'll see. Adjusted series prices now. We were talking yesterday and Tampa Bay was 5 to 1 ladies and gentlemen and I said that is great value but I could offer you another way to do it and that was betting Tampa Bay to win in 7 and for them to win in 6 for them to win in 6 it was 14 to 1 for them to win in 7 was plus 850 and I said hey if you have enough conviction on the Lightning Invest in both of those for better value than just a singular bet on the Lightning for the series price. Yes, if they lose, you would lose both bets, but if you're investing half a unit or whatever you're comfortable with, so be it. But right now, Tampa Bay goes down to plus 245 after the fat dub last night, and the Avalanche now at minus 295 instead of 6-1. to Looking at the other bets, Tampa Bay to catch a game and a half is now plus 108, Colorado laying a game in the hook is minus 136. The Avalanche minus two and a half games. So if you think they win the next two games, it is plus 210. Over five and a half games played in the series. Look at this. It was plus 117 and now it's minus 278. Unbelievable. Unbelievable how that moves so drastically. The series correct score. Avalanche to win in five is plus 210. It was plus 220 yesterday, I believe. Avalanche to win in six is now plus 270. Avalanche to win in seven is plus 370. Now Tampa to win in six instead of 14 to one. That has been slashed in half to seven to one. And Tampa Bay to win four to three instead of plus 850. Now it's plus 500. So five to one for Tampa to win in seven. I'm going to be honest. If you like the Avalanche in this series going into it, and what happened last night didn't really scare you too much. You're like, yeah, talk. It's, it's due to happen when you're playing the defending Stanley Cup champs back-to-back years. I would probably look to go Colorado minus one and a half at minus 136. Objectively speaking, that's the angle I would take. At that point, they got to win in five or they got to win in six. Colorado probably finds a way to win in six. Unless you think that Tampa Bay is just a killer at home and it's and that's how this series is going to go with the home and road splits, then stay away. But look, if if I didn't want the Lightning to win this next game, and I again, I was looking at it completely and wholly objectively, I think Colorado minus one and a half on the series spread minus 136 is a good look. Now, you could also wait see what happens in terms of this next game and if Tampa Bay does win naturally you'll get a lot better value that would be then the bet for the Avalanche to win the next two games for them to win in six exactly which right now is plus 270 but I wonder how those odds would shift at that point I'm sure they would get well maybe they get even shorter because then you take out the opportunity for them to win in five so then instead of plus 270 it would probably be a little bit shorter the deeper you go into the series maybe but this is uh this is going to be a great game for no way i'm looking to bet the under now would only bet tamp on the side we got a little bit to think about it when's that next game it's got to be wednesday right i'm hoping don't make us wait more than that and yes wednesday 7 p.m central time all right more on that tomorrow Looking forward to it. Oh, let's really quick look at, did I go over the props here? No, I guess that was rush hour. I was going over some of the props in rush hour. And we were talking about Nechuskin with the avalanche. And this is classic. So we were looking at it, and he had gotten five and six shots on goals respectively. In the first two games of this series. And the number was two and a half. So I'm like, alright, that's pretty decent outlook. We didn't bet it. I was like, eh, it's kind of sketchy. That seems too easy and on the road. Different dynamic. And yeah, only one shot on goal. How about the saves from the goalies though? We looked at Vasilevsky. I think his was at 32 and a half. He had 37 saves. So the over hits for Vasilevsky. Kemper was at 27 and a half. And he made 17 saves. They took him out. They put Francois in there. Allowed one goal did Fransos, but interesting. If you took the under on Kemper, good for you. Sweat free. All right, we got more room to work with for game four. A little bit of the weight off the shoulders for our bet. More stats, more trends, more background for the props. Maybe we'll get involved in those. Looking forward to it more so tomorrow. And looking forward to tonight's show on Rush Hour. Be sure you check it out, folks. We got Paul Sporer talking baseball over at Fangraphs. He's always a great guest with a very solid analytical perspective. Then we'll get Danielle Elvari, fellow CityCast host. She is the host of the Los Angeles CityCast. We'll talk all things Los Angeles naturally, and she's a great WNBA better. Nuanced space for a lot of us bettors, but one of those spaces to where if you're betting it, you have a great opportunity to take advantage of the market, and she's doing just that. So that'll be good to get her thoughts on it tonight. Rush Hour again, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Marquee Sports Network, Fubo TV, Sling TV, the Xfinity app, YouTube TV, iHeartRadio, vsin.com that vsin.com V-A-S-I-N.com, and with iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcast, folks. We'll talk to you more so then. We'll talk to you on the CityCast again on Thursday. And until that point, take care, ladies and gentlemen, and best of luck with all of your plays.